Hello, 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 my fellow bookworms. How are you beautiful people doing today? Y'all already know who it is, and if you don't, it's your new internet best friend, Neo Phantom. Stick around for a little bit, join the friend group. All you gotta do is follow the podcast. It's that simple. Simple. <laughs> Before we get into the juicy part of today's episode, if you were wondering, you can find me on Instagram at the Neo Phantom and everything else at Neo Phantom. That's N-I-A-P-H-A-N-T-O-M. For the podcast, it's Vibe with Phantom on all social platforms. Business inquiries are handled through email and if interested, same as the tag, vibewphantom at gmail.com is the address. Today we'll be continuing The House Made by Frida McFadden. I'm trying to go for chapter 13 to chapter 16 today. But if we moving in a timely manner, if we moving and grooving, it might just be more. So depending on the title, y'all will see which one we go with. I'm shooting for 13 to 16, but we'll see how the readings go. Because this book getting a little too hyper. Before we actually get into the readings, continuing the story, continuing the book, I'd like to let you guys know the trigger warnings for the book before you proceed just in case anything being read might disturb you or trigger you. So the trigger warnings for The Housemaid include gaslighting, blackmail, profanity, torture, violence, murder, and captivity. So if any of those things listed previously would throw you off, make you feel weird, sad, hurt, whatever, bring back trauma, you can click off it's okay it's okay i have 31 other episodes that you could watch feel free you will be diving enjoy yourself but i wouldn't want you to stick around here just to support me but hurt yourself in the process now let's get straight to it the final thing that happened the bring back just the jogging memory was when millie was snooping around nina's bedroom and she, I guess, pretended like she was cleaning the zinc, but really she was trying to make her way to the medicine cabinet. And when she did, she found a pill bottle that said Haloperidol. Haloperidol, when she Googled it, said that it was an antipsychotic medication used to treat schizophrenia, bipolar disorder, delirium, agitation, and acute psychosis, right? But before she could really get into the other pill bottles, really investigate Nina, she caught her. However, Millie put the pill bottle back in time. So she ain't really, she ain't catching the act. She just catch Millie, I guess, being weird. And that's where it leads us now. The last sentence in chapter 12. Part of me is burning with shame that I looked in the first place and part of me is scared at what else I might find. Chapter 13. I am busy vacuuming the living room when the shadow goes by the window. I wander over to the window and sure enough, Enzo is working in the backyard today. As far as I can tell, he alters houses from day to day, doing various gardening and landscaping tasks. Right now, he's digging at the flower bed in the front yard. I grab an empty glass from the kitchen and fill it up with cold water. Then I head outside. 
I'm not entirely sure what I hope to accomplish here, but ever since those two women talked about Nina being crazy, literally, I can't stop thinking about it. And then I found that antipsychotic medication in her medicine cabinet. Far be it from me to judge Nina for having psychological problems, I met my fair share of women struggling with mental illness in prison. But it will be helpful information for me to know. Maybe I could even help her if I understood her better. I remember how it was on my first day. Enzo seemed to be warning me about something. Nina's out of the house, Andrew's at work, and Cecilia's at school, so this seems like a perfect time to interrogate him. The only tiny complication is that he hardly speaks a word of English, but it can't hurt. And I'm sure he's thirsty and will appreciate the water. When I get outside and so is busy digging a hole in the ground, he seems intensely focused on his task. Even after I clear my throat loudly, twice, finally, I wave my hand and say, Hola. That may have been Spanish again. Enzo looks up from the hole he was digging. There's an amused expression on his lips. Ciao, he says. Ciao, I correct myself, vowing to get it right next time. He has a V of sweat on his t-shirt, which is sticking to his skin and emphasizing every single muscle. And they're not bodybuilder's muscles. They are the firm muscles of a man who does manual labor for a living. So I'm staring. So sue me. I clear my throat again. I brought you, um, water. How do you say aqua, he says. I nod vigorously. Yes, that. See, we're doing it. We're communicating. This is going great. Ando strides over to me and gratefully takes the water glass. He drains half of it in what looks like a single gulp. He lets out a sigh and wipes his lips with the back of his hand. Grazi, you're welcome. I smile up at him. So, um, have you worked for the Winchesters for a long time? He looks at me blankly. I mean, have you, do you work here? Many years? He takes another swig from the water glass. He's emptied nearly three quarters of it. When it's gone, he's going to go back to work. I don't have much time. Treani, he says finally then adds in his heavily accented English. Three year. And uh, I squeeze my hands together. Nina Winchester, do you? He frowns at me, but it's not a blank look. Like he doesn't understand me. He looks like he's waiting to hear what I'm going to say. Maybe he understands English better than he can speak it. Do you? I start again. Do you think that Nina is... I mean, do you like her? Enzo narrows his eyes at me. He takes another long drink from the water glass. Jesus, this a bottomless water glass. Never ending. He takes another long drink from the water glass, then shoves it back into my hand. Without another word, he goes back to the hole he was digging, picks up a shovel, and gets back to work. I open my mouth to try again, but then I shut it. When I first came here, 
Ansel was trying to warn me about something, but Nina opened the door before he can say anything. And obviously, he's changed his mind. Whatever Enzo knows or thinks, he isn't going to tell me, at least not now. 14. I've been living with the Winchesters for about three weeks when I have my first parole officer meeting. I waited to schedule it for my day off. I don't want them to know where I'm going. I'm down to monthly meetings with my officer, Pam, a stocky middle-aged woman with a strong jaw. Right after I got out, I was living in housing, subsized by the prison. But after Palm helped me get that waitressing job, I moved out and got my own place. Then after I lost the waitressing job, I never exactly told Palm about it. Also, I never told her about my eviction. At our last meeting a little over a month ago, I lied through my teeth. Lying to a parole officer is a violation of parole. Not having a residence and living out of your car is also a violation of parole. I don't like to lie, but I didn't want to have my parole revoked and go right back to prison to serve the last five years of my sentence. I couldn't let that happen. But things have turned around. I can be honest with Pam today. Well, almost. Even though it's a breezy spring day, Pam's small office is like 100 degrees. Half the year, her office is a sauna, and the other half of the year, it's freezing. There's no in-between. She's got the small window wrenched open, and there's a fan blowing the dozens of papers around her desk. She has to keep her hands on them to keep them from blowing away. Millie? She smiles at me when I come in. She's a nice person and genuinely seems like she wants to help me, which made me feel all the worse about how I lied to her. Good to see you. How's it going? I settled down into one of the wooden chairs in front of her desk. Great. That's a bit of a lie, but it's going fine. Good enough. Nothing to report. Pam rifles through the papers on her desk. I got your message about the address change. You're working for a family in Long Island as a housekeeper? That's right. You didn't like the job at Charlie's? I chew on my lip. Not really. This is one of the things I lied to her about, telling her that I quit the job at Charlie's, when the reality is that they fired me. But it was completely unfair. At least I was lucky enough that they quietly fired me and didn't get the police involved. That was part of the deal. I go quietly and they don't involve the cops. I didn't have much of a choice. If they had gone to the police about what happened, I would have been right back in prison. So I didn't tell Pam I got fired because if I did, she would have called them to find out why. And then I lost my apartment. I couldn't tell her about that either. But it's fine now. I have a new job and a place to live. I'm not in danger of being locked up again. At my last appointment with Pam, I was sitting on the edge of my seat but I feel okay this time. I'm proud of you, Millie, Palm says. Sometimes it's hard for people to adjust when they have been incarcerated since they were teenagers, but you've done great. Thank you. No, she definitely doesn't need to know about that month when I was living in my car. 
So, how's the new job? She asks. How are they treating you? Um, I rub my knees. It's fine. The woman I work for is a bit eccentric, but I'm just cleaning. It's not a big deal. Another thing that's a slight lie. I don't want to tell her that Nina Winchester has been making me increasingly uncomfortable. I searched online to see if she herself had any kind of record. Nothing popped up, but I didn't pay for the actual background check. Anyway, Nina is rich enough to keep her nose clean. Well, that's great, Palm says. And how is your social life? That's not technically an area a parole officer is supposed to be asking me about. But Pam and I have become friendly, so I don't mind the question. Non-existent. She throws back her head and laughs so that I can see a shiny filling in the back of her mouth. I understand if you don't feel ready to date yet, but you should try to make some friends, Millie. Yeah, I say, even though I don't mean it. And when you do start dating, she says, don't just settle for anyone. Don't date a jerk just because you're an ax con. You deserve someone who treats you right. Mm. For a moment, I allow myself to think about the possibility of dating a man in the future. I close my eyes, trying to imagine what he might look like. Unbidden, the image of Andrew Winchester fills my head with his easy charm and handsome smile. My eyes fly open. Oh no. <laughs> no way. I can't even think it. Also, Pam adds, you're beautiful. You couldn't settle. I almost laugh out loud. I've been doing everything I can to look as unattractive as I possibly can. I wear baggy clothing. Let me just say... Wearing baggy clothing doesn't mean that you're unattractive, so don't take Millie serious with that line. Anyway, she said, I wear baggy clothing. I always keep my hair in a bun or a ponytail, and I haven't put on even one strap of makeup. Millie, what you describing is a normal day-to-day -day look. <laughs> like, be real. But Nina still looks at me like I'm some kind of vamp. I'm just not ready to think about that yet, I say. That's fine, Pam says. But remember, having a job and shelter is important. But human connections are even more important. She might be right, but I'm just not ready for that right now. I have to focus on keeping my nose clean the last thing I want is to end up back in prison. That's all that matters. I have trouble sleeping at night. When you're in prison, you're always sleeping with one eye open. You don't want things to be going on around you without you knowing about it. And now that I'm out, the instinct hasn't left me. When I first got an actual bed, I was able to sleep really well for a while. But now my old insomnia has come back full force. Especially because my bedroom is so unbearably stuffy. My first paycheck has been deposited in my bank account. And the next chance I have, I'm going to go out and buy myself a television for my bedroom. If I turn on the television, I might be able to drift off to sleep with it on. 
The sound will mimic the noise at night in the prison. Why would you want to get taken back to how it sounded in prison? That's my question. But, okay. Up until now, I've been hesitant to use the Winchester's television. Not the huge home theater, obviously, but their normal TV in the living room. It doesn't seem like it should be a big deal considering Nina and Andrew go to bed early. They have a very specific routine every night. Nina goes upstairs to put Cecilia to bed at precisely 8.30. I can hear her reading a bedtime story, then she sings to her. Every night she sings the same song, Somewhere Over the Rainbow, from The Wizard of Oz. Nina doesn't sound like she has any vocal training, but there's something strangely, hauntingly beautiful about the way she sings to Cecilia. After Cecilia goes to sleep, Nina reads or watches television in the bedroom. Andrew follows upstairs not long after. If I come downstairs after 10 o'clock, the first floor is completely empty. So this particular night, I decided to take advantage. This is why I'm sprawled out on the sofa, watching an episode of Family Feud. It's nearly one in the morning, so the high energy level of the contestants seems almost bizarre. Steve Harvey is joking around with them, and despite how tired I am, I laugh out loud when one of the contestants get up to demonstrate his top dancing skills. I used to watch the show when I was a kid, and I always imagined going on it myself. I'm not sure who I would have invited to go with me, my parents, me, that's three. Who else could I have invited? Is that family feud? I jerk my head up. Even though it's the middle of the night, Andrew Winchester is somehow standing behind me as wide awake as the people on the television screen. Damn. I knew I should have stayed in my room. Oh, I say, I, um, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to. He arches an eyebrow. What are you sorry for? You live here too. You have every right to watch the television. I grab a pillow from the couch to conceal my flimsy gym shorts that I've been sleeping in. Also, I'm not wearing a bra. I was going to buy a set for my room. It's fine to use our monitor, Millie. You probably won't get much reception up there anyway. The whites of his eyes glow in the light of the television. I'll be out of your hair in a minute. I'm just grabbing a glass of water. I sit on the couch, clutching the pillow to my chest. Pause. I don't know if I bad or if I wrong for this. Y'all, I don't condone cheating. I don't condone leaving your wedding. I mean, leaving your marriage and committing adultery. But some in me have me feeling like, oh my gosh. I just want Millie and Andrew end up in cahoots, bro. Like, <laughs> okay. I sit on the couch, clutching the pillow to my chest, debating if I should go upstairs. I'm never going to fall asleep now because my heart is racing. He said he was just getting some water, so maybe I can stay. I watch him shuffle into the kitchen and I hear the tap running. He comes back into the living room, sipping from his water glass. That's when I notice he's only got on a white undershirt and boxers. But at least he is not shirtless. 
How come you poured water from the sink? I can't help but ask him. He plops down next to me on the sofa, even though I wish he wouldn't. What do you mean? It would be rude to jump off the sofa, so I just scoot down as far as I can. The last thing I need is for Nina to see the two of us getting cozy together on the sofa in our underwear. Like, you didn't just use the water filter in the refrigerator. He laughs. I don't know. I've always just gotten water from the zinc. Like, is it poison? I don't know. I think it has chemicals in it. He runs a hand through his dark hair until it sticks up a bit. I'm hungry for some reason. Any leftovers from dinner in the fridge? No. Sorry. Hmm. He rubs his stomach. Would it be really bad manners if I eat some peanut butter right out of the jar? I cringe at the mention of peanut butter. As long as you're not eating in front of Cecilia. He tilts his head. Why? You know, because she's allergic? They don't really seem very respectful of Cecilia's deadly peanut allergy in this household. Even more surprising, Andrew laughs. No, she's not. Yes, she is. She told me she is the first day I was here. Um, I think I would know if my daughter were allergic to peanuts. <laughs> he snorts. Anyway, do you think we could keep a big jar of it in the pantry if she were allergic? That was exactly what I thought when Cecilia told me about her allergy. Was she just making it up to torture me? I wouldn't put it past her. Then again, Nina also said Cecilia had a peanut allergy. What's going on here? But Andrew makes the most valid point. The fact that there's a big jar of peanut butter in the pantry indicates nobody here has a deadly peanut allergy. Blueberries, Andrew says. I frown. I don't think there are any blueberries in the refrigerator. No. He nods at the television screen where Family Feud has entered the second round. They surveyed 100 people and asked them to name a fruit you can fit in your mouth whole. The contestant on the screen answered blueberries, and it's the number one answer. Andrew pounced his fist. See, I knew it. I'd be great on this show. The top answer is always easy to get, I see. The tricky part is getting the more obscure answers. Okay, smarty buns, he grins at me. Name a fruit you can fit in your mouth whole. Um... I tap my finger against my chin. A grape? Sure enough, the next contestant answers, grape. And it's correct. I stand corrected, he says. You're good at this too. Okay, what about a strawberry? It's probably up there, I say. Even though you wouldn't really want to put a whole strawberry in your mouth because it has the stem and all that. The contestants manage to name strawberries and cherries, but they get stuck on the last answer. Andrew is cracking up when one of them says a peach. A peach, he cries. Who could fit a peach in their mouth? You'd have to unhinge your jaw. 
I giggle. Better than a watermelon. That's probably the best. On That's probably the answer. I bet anything. The final answer on the board turns out to be a plum. Andrew shakes his head. I don't know about that. I'd like to see a picture of the contestants who said they could fit a plum in their mouth hole. That should be part of the show, I say. You get to hear from the hundred people surveyed and get the rationale behind their answers. You should write to Family Feud and suggest that, he says soberly. You could revolutionize the whole show. Let me just tell y'all how I getting chills because they bonding right now while a crazy person asleep. Like, oh, I living for this. Sorry. I giggle again. When I first met Andrew, I assumed he was a stuffy rich guy, but he's not like that at all. Nina is certifiable, but Andrew is nice. He's completely down to earth and he's funny. And it seems like he's a really good dad to Cecilia. The truth is, I feel a bit sorry for him sometimes. I shouldn't think that. Nina is my boss. She gives me paychecks and a place to live. My loyalty is to her. But at the same time, she's awful. She's a slob. She's constantly telling me conflicting information. And she can be incredibly cruel. Even Enzo, who's got to be 200 pounds of solid muscle, seems afraid of her. Of course, I might not feel that way if Andrew wasn't so incredibly attractive. Even though I have sat as far away from him as I possibly can without falling off the side of the couch, I can't help but think about the fact that he's wearing his underwear right now. He's in his freaking boxers and his undershirt material is thin enough that I can see the outline of some very sexy muscles. He could do a lot better than Nina. I wonder if he knows it. Just as I'm starting to relax and feel glad that Andrew joined me down here, a screechy voice breaks my thoughts. Gosh, what's the big joke you're laughing about down here? Don't tell me that's Nina. Oh, don't tell me. Oh, okay. Sorry, I just cringe. I whip my head around. Nina is standing at the foot of the stairs, staring at us. When she's in her heels, I can hear her coming a mile away, but she's surprisingly light-footed in her bare feet. She's wearing a white nightgown that falls to her ankles, and her arms are folded across her chest. Oh, oh baby. Oh, baby. Hey, Nina. Andrew yawns and climbs off the sofa. What are you doing up? Nina is glaring at us. I don't know how he isn't panicking right now. I'm one second away from peeing my pants. But he seems totally cavalier about the fact that his wife just caught the two of us alone in the living room at one in the morning. Both of us in our underwear. Not that we were doing anything, but still. I could ask you the same thing, Nina retorts. You two seem to be having a lot of fun. What's the joke? Andrew lifts a shoulder. I came down to get some water and Millie was here watching the television. I got distracted by family feud. Millie? Nina turned her attention to me. Why don't you get a television for your own room? This is the family room. 
I'm sorry. I say quickly. I'm going to buy a television next chance I get. Hey. Andrew raises his eyebrows. What's so wrong with Millie watching a little television down here if nobody's around? Well, you're around. And she wasn't bothering me. Don't you have a meeting first thing in the morning? Nina's eyes bore into him. Should you really be awake watching television at one in the morning? He sucks in a breath. I hold my own breath, hoping for a minute that he's going to stand up to her. But then his shoulder sighed. You're right, Nina. I better turn in. Nina stands there, her arms folded across her ample chest, watching Andrew trudge up the stairs like a child. Like he's a child she's sending up without supper. It's unsettling to see the extent of her jealousy. I get up from the couch as well and shut off the television. Nina is still lingering at the base of the stairs. Her eyes rake over my gym shorts and my tank top, my lack of a bra. Again, it strikes me how bad this looks, but I thought I would be all alone down here. Millie, Nina says, in the future, I expect you to wear appropriate attire around the house. I'm so sorry, I say for the second time. I really didn't think anyone would be awake. Really? She snorts. Would you just wander around any stranger's house in the middle of the night because you assume they won't be around? I don't know what to say to that. This is not a stranger's house. I live here. I'll be it up in the attic. No. Please stay up in the attic after bedtime, she says. The rest of the house is for my family. Do you understand? I understand. She shakes her head. Honestly, I'm not even sure how much we need a maid. Maybe this was a mistake. Oh no. Is she firing me at one in the morning because I was watching television in her living room? This is bad and there's no chance Nina is going to give me a good recommendation for another job. She seems more like the sort of person who would call every potential employer to tell them how much she hated me. I've got to fix this. I dig my fingernails into the palm of my hand. Listen, Nina, I begin. Nothing was going on between me and Andrew. She throws her head back and laughs. It's a disturbing sound, something almost between a laugh and a cry. Oh my gosh, I guess chills. Is that what you think I'm worried about? Andrew and I are soulmates. We have a child together and soon we'll have another baby together. You think I'm scared that my husband would risk everything in his life for some trampy servant living in the attic? I swallow. I may have just made things worse. No, he wouldn't. Damn straight he wouldn't. She looks me in the eyes and don't ever forget it i stand there not sure what to say finally she jerks her head in the direction of the coffee table clean up that mess right now uh-oh uh-oh with those words she turns on her heels and goes back upstairs there isn't really a mess it's just the water glass andrew left behind my cheeks burn with humiliation as i walk over to the coffee table and snatch up the glass the bedroom door slams upstairs and I look down at the glass in my hand. Before I can stop myself, I hurl it to the ground. 
it smashes spectacularly on the floor. Glass goes everywhere. I take a step back and a shard digs into the pad of my foot. Wow, that was extremely stupid. And it was because even me, I don't understand why you did it. But okay, I blink down at the mess I made on the ground. I've got to clean it up. And moreover, I've got to find some shoes so I don't get any more glass in my feet. I take a deep breath, trying to slow down my breathing. I'll get the glass cleaned up and it'll be fine. Nina will never know. But I'll have to be more careful in the future. Y'all, let's pause right there. Because these chapters hella long. These chapters hella long what I read. What I've been reading so far. Anyways, two more chapters. I retort my statement that I made in the intro. Because baby, I don't know if we could go any further than chapter 16. Chapter 15. This Saturday afternoon, Nina is throwing a small PTA gathering in her backyard. They're meeting up to plan something called Field Day, which is the kids play in Field Day, in which the kids play in a field for a few hours, and somehow it takes months of planning to prepare for it. Nina has been talking about it nonstop lately, and she has texted me no less than a dozen times to remind me to pick up the hors d'oeuvres. I'm starting to get stressed because, as usual, the entire house was a mess when I woke up this morning. I don't know how this house gets so messy. Is Nina's medication treating some sort of disorder where she gets up in the middle of the night and makes a mess in the house? Is that a thing? I don't know how the bathrooms get so bad overnight. For example, when I come into her bathroom to clean in the morning, there are usually at least three or four towels strewn on the floor, sopping wet. There's usually toothpaste caked into the sink that I have to scrub to get free. Nina has some sort of aversion to throwing her clothes in the laundry basket, so it takes me a good 10 minutes to gather her bra, underwear, pants, pantyhose, etc., Thank God Andrew is better at getting his clothes in the laundry basket. Then there's the stuff that needs to be dry cleaned, of which there is a lot. Nina doesn't distinguish between the two and God forbid I make the wrong decision about what goes in the laundry machine and what needs to be run to the dry cleaner. That would be a hanging offense. The other thing is the food wrappers. I find candy wrappers stuffed into nearly every crevice in her bedroom and bathroom. I suppose that explains why Nina is 50 pounds heavier than she was in the photographs of when she and Andrew first met. Mm. By the time I have cleaned the house top to bottom, I dropped off the dry cleaning and completed the laundry and the ironing. I'm running very short on time. The women are going to arrive within the hour and I'm still not done with all the tasks Nina assigned me, including picking up the hors d'oeuvres. She's not going to understand if I try to explain that to her. Considering she nearly fired me last week when she caught me watching Family Feud with Andrew, I can't afford to make any mistakes. I've got to make sure this afternoon is perfect. Then I get to the backyard. The Winchester's backyard is one of the most beautiful sights in the neighborhood. Enzo has done his job well. The hedges are trimmed so precisely, it's like he used a ruler. 
flowers dot the edges of the yard adding a pop of color and the grass is so lush and green i'm half tempted to lie down in it waving my arms around to make grass angels but apparently they don't spend much time out here because all the patio furniture has a thick layer of dust on it everything has a thick layer of dust on it oh god i do not have time to get everything done millie are you okay Andrew is standing behind me, dressed casually for a change in a blue polo shirt and khaki slacks. Somehow, he looks even better than he does in an expensive suit. Ooh, I'm fine, I mumble. I shouldn't even be talking to him. You look like you're about to cry, he points out. I wipe my eyes self-consciously with the back of my hand. I'm fine, there's just a lot to do for this PDA meeting. Aww, that's not worth crying over. His brow crinkles. These PDA women are never going to be satisfied no matter what you do. They're all awful. That does not make me feel any better. Look, maybe I have a... He digs around in his pocket and pulls out a crumpled tissue. I can't believe I have a tissue in my pocket. But here. I manage a smile as I accept the tissue. As I dab my nose, I catch a whiff of Andrew's aftershave. Now, he says, what can I do to help? I shake my head. It's fine. I can handle it. You're crying. He props one of his feet up on the dirty chair. Seriously, I'm not completely useless. Just tell me what you need me to do. When I hesitate, he adds, look, we both want to make Nina happy, right? This is how you make her happy. She's not going to be happy if i let you screw this up fine i grumble it would be incredibly helpful if you could pick up the hors d'oeuvres done it feels like a giant weight has been lifted from my shoulders it was going to take me 20 minutes to get to the store to pick up the hors d'oeuvres and 20 minutes to get back that would have left me only 15 minutes to clean this filthy patio furniture could you imagine that nina sat in one of these chairs in one of her white outfits. Mm. Thank you, I say. I really, really appreciate it. Really. He grins at me. Really? <laughs> really, really. <laughs> Cecilia bursts into the backyard that moment wearing a light pink dress with white trim. Like her mother, she doesn't have so much as a hair out of place. Daddy, she says. He turned his gaze on Cecilia. What's up, Cece? The computer isn't working, she says. I can't do my homework. Can you fix it? I absolutely can. He rests a hand on her shoulder. But first, we are going on a little road trip and it's going to be super fun. She looks at him debiasly. He ignores her skepticism. Go put on your shoes. It would have taken me half the day to convince Cecilia to put on her shoes but she obediently goes back into the house to do what he says. Cecilia is nice enough as long as I'm not in charge of her. You're good with her, I comment. Thanks. She looks a lot like you. Andrew shakes his head. Not really. She looks like Nina. She does. <laughs> I insist. She has Nina's coloring and hair, but she has your nose. He toys with the hem of his polo shirt. Cecilia isn't my 
biological daughter. So any resemblance between the two of us is, you know, coincidental. Oop! Was she talking like Nina talking like that's they chill? Okay. Wow, I can't stop putting my foot in my mouth. Oh, I didn't realize. It's not a big deal. His brown eyes are trained on the back door, waiting for Cecilia to return. I met Nina when Cecilia was a baby, so I'm the only father she's ever known. I think of her as my daughter. It's the same difference. Of course, my opinion of Andrew Winchester goes up a few notches. Not only did he not go for some kind of supermodel, but he married a woman who already had a child and raised that child as his own. Like I said, you're good with her. I think kids are great. I wish we had a dozen of them. Andrew looks like he wants to say something else, but then he presses his lips shut. I remember what Nina told me weeks ago about how they were trying to get pregnant. I remember the bloody tampon I found on the bathroom floor. I wonder if they've had any success since then. Based on the sad look in Andrew's eyes, I suspect the answer is no. But I'm sure Nina will be able to get pregnant if that's what they want. After all, they have all the resources in the world. Either way, it's none of my business. Chapter 16, final chapter. Y'all, the encounters with Andrew and Millie giving me chills. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, like Nina... You ain't the main character right now. You could step aside. Step aside. <laughs> okay. Chapter 16. Let me not hold y'all up. It's safe to say I hate every single woman at this PDA meeting. There are four of them in total, including Nina. I've memorized their names. Jillian, Patrice, and Suzanne. Not to be confused with Jillian. The reason I have memorized their names is because Nina will not let me leave the backyard. She's been making me stand in the corner constantly at attention in case they need something. Oh. Whoa. At least the hors d'oeuvres are a success and Nina has no idea Andrew picked them up for me. I'm just not happy with the field day menu. Suzanne taps her pen against her chin. I've heard Nina refer to Suzanne before as her best friend, but as far as I can tell, Nina isn't close with any of her so-called friends. I feel like there needs to be more than one gluten-free option. I agree, Jillian says. And even though there is a vegan option, it's not vegan and gluten-free. So what are people who are both vegan and gluten-free supposed to eat? I don't know, grass? I've honestly never seen women more obsessed with gluten. Every time I brought out an hors d'oeuvre, each of them questioned me about the amount of gluten in it, as if I have any idea. I don't even know what gluten is. It's a sweltering hot day today, and I would give anything to be back in the house under the air conditioner. Hell, I would give anything to have a drink of the pink sparkling lemonade the women are sharing. I keep wiping sweat from my forehead every time they're not looking at me. I'm afraid I may have pit stains. This blueberry goat's cheese flatbread should have been heated up, Patrice comments as she chews on the morsel in her mouth. They're barely lukewarm. I know, 
Nina says regretfully. I asked my maid to take care of it, but you know how it is. It's so hard to find good help. My mouth falls open. She never asked me any such thing. Also, does she realize I'm standing right here? Oh, it truly is. Jillian nods sympathetically. You just can't hire anyone good anymore. The work ethic in this country is so horrible. You wonder why people like that can't find better jobs, right? It's laziness. Pure and simple. Oh, baby. <laughs> Millie? Anyways. Or else you get someone foreign, Suzanne asks. And they barely speak the language. Like Enzo. At least he's nice to look at. Patrice laughs. The rest of them hoot and giggle, although Nina is oddly silent. I suppose she doesn't have to ogle the hot landscaper when she's married to Andrew. I can't blame her on that one. She also seems to have some sort of strange grudge against Enzo. I'm itching to say something after the way they've been bad-mouthing me behind my... Well, not behind my back because I'm standing right here, as I mentioned. But I've got to show them that I'm not a lazy American. I have worked my butt off in this job and never complained once. Nina? I cleared my throat. Do you want me to heat up the hors d'oeuvres? Nina turns to me, her eyes flashing in a way that makes me take a step back. Millie, she says calmly. We're having a conversation here. Please don't interrupt. It's so rude. Oh, I. Also, she adds, I thank you not to refer to me as Nina. I'm not your drinking buddy. She snickers at the other woman. It's Mrs. Winchester. Don't make me remind you again. Oh my gosh. So now she, now she acting different around other people. Oh. <laughs> See, yeah, this way you, this way you getting me confused. Because I strongly dislike people like this, bro. If you can act chill with me. And buddy, buddy with me talk about some, oh, don't call me Miss Winchester. Don't call me Miss Winchester. Call me Nina. Da, 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 da. Now you with your so-called best friends who I'm sure you don't even really like. And you trying to embarrass me talking about some, don't let me remind you again. Nina, excuse. Oh my goodness. I stare at her flabbergasted. On the very first day I met Nina, she instructed me to call her Nina. Like I just said. To y'all? Like, bruh, I've been calling her that the entire time I've been working here and she's never said a word about it. Now she's acting like I'm taking liberties? The worst part is the other women are acting like Nina is a hero for telling me off. Patrice launches into some story about how her cleaning woman had the gall to tell her about how her dog died. I don't want to be mean, Patrice says. But what do I care if Juanita's dog died? She was going on and on about it, honestly. We definitely do need the help, though. Nina pops one of the unacceptable hors d'oeuvres into her mouth. I've been watching her and she's eating about half of them while the other women are eating like birds. Especially when Andrew and I have another baby. The other woman let out gasps of excitement. Nina, you're pregnant? Suzanne cries. 
I knew you were eating like five times as much as the rest of us for a reason, Jillian says triumphantly. Nina shoots her a look. I have to stifle a laugh. <laughs> I'm not pregnant yet, but Andy and I are seeing this fertility specialist who is supposed to be amazing. Trust me, I'll have a baby by the end of the year. That is so great, Patrice puts a hand on Nina's shoulder. I know you guys have been wanting a baby for a long time, and Andrew is such a great dad. Nina nods, and for a moment, her eyes look a bit moist. She clears her throat. Excuse me for a moment, ladies. I'll be right back. Nina dashes into the house, and I'm not sure if I'm supposed to follow her. She's probably going to the bathroom or something. Of course, maybe now that's one of my responsibilities, following Nina into the bathroom so that I can pat her hands dry for her or flush the toilet or God only knows what. As soon as Nina's gone, the other woman burst into quiet laughter. Oh my God, Jillian snickers. That was so awkward. I can't believe I said that to her. I really thought she was pregnant. I mean, doesn't she look pregnant? She's getting like a house, Patrice agrees. She seriously needs to hire a nutritionist and a personal trainer. And did anyone else notice her roots showing? The other woman nod in agreement. Even though I'm not participating in this conversation, I also noticed Nina's roots. On the day I interviewed with her, her hair looked so immaculate. Now she's got a good centimeter of darker roots showing. I'm surprised she let it get that bad. Like, I would be embarrassed to walk around like that. Patrice says. How does she expect to keep that haughty husband of hers? Especially since I heard they have an airtight prenup? Susanna adds. If they were to get a divorce, she'd get practically nothing. Not even child support because, you know, he never adopted Cecilia. A prenup? Patrice bursts out. What is wrong with Nina? Why would she sign something like that? She better do whatever she can to keep him happy. Well, I'm not going to be the one to tell her she needs to go on a diet. Jillian speaks up. God, I don't want to send her back to that mental institution. You know, Nina isn't all there. I stifle a gasp. I had been hoping when those other women at the school were hinting that Nina was crazy. She was just suburban crazy. Like that she saw a therapist and popped a few sedatives every now and then but it sounds like nina is a level above that if these gossipy shrews are to be believed she's been in a psychiatric institution she has a serious illness i feel a job of guilt for getting so frustrated with her when she tells me the wrong information or her mood changes on a dime it isn't her fault nina has serious issues going on Everything makes a little more sense now. I'll tell you one thing. Patrice drops her voice several notches. She's doing it so I can't hear, which means she has no idea how loud she is. If I were Nina, the last thing I would do would be to hire a pretty young maid to live in my house. She must be out of her mind with jealousy. Ooh, they taste really pretty. Ah. They already know Andrew could be... Botany eyes at Millie, you feel me? Okay. 
I look away, trying not to let on that I can hear every word she says. I have done everything I can to keep Nina from feeling jealous. I don't want her to get even the slightest idea that I'm interested in her husband. I don't want her to know that I think he's attractive or for her to think that there's any chance something could happen between the two of us. I mean, yes, if Andrew were single, I'd be interested, but he's not. I'm staying far away from that man. Nina has nothing to worry about. Chapter 17. I just want to leave you all on a cliffhanger. I got to do it. I'm sorry. Chapter 17. Today, Andrew and Nina have an appointment with that fertility specialist. How's it going to go? We won't know until next Wednesday at 7 p.m. Y'all, all my shoulders hurting and dang, all my shoulders sore. Like, I scrunching over. Like, I really feel in the story. I getting into the story. All this build up into what's going to unfold has me hurting inside it had me hurting because it's like bro from the trigger warnings this book giving me everything and more like captivity murder like uh, books like that books that keep you on edge or books that just let me just say the books that i love most are books that speak about things that can happen in real life like, it ain't so out of the box that it can't happen in real life. That's why it has me on edge. Because it's like, bro, this is something that you heard about that happened already. It's history, you feel me? Not saying I don't love my fantasy books and things like that. But I just saying, like, books that keep you on edge and have you feeling squirmish. And getting chills and like, oh my gosh, I want to know what happened next. Like, I love it. And that's exactly how this book have me or have us if y'all feel the same way what y'all think will happen when they go to this fertility specialist you think me y'all think nina ain't gonna be able to have children because if they fighting like if they struggling it might have something to do with her taking so much medication for her psychosis you never know like she may be infertile so let's see how that goes next wednesday at seven don't forget to follow the podcast turn on notifications so you can be notified you feel me when it drop you don't want to miss out you don't want to skip you don't want to have to catch up on any episodes i love y'all honestly with my whole heart stay beautiful and see y'all on sunday at seven also toodles Right up.